Welcome to the morning after show. <laughs> on whatever feed you might be listening to this, his name is Stephen Lassen. My name is Braden Gall. You can get to us on Twitter at AthlonSteven, at Braden Gall. Uh, this pod is probably on all your feeds, Fringe Element, Cover 2 podcast, but uh, obviously Stephen and I do the Cover 2 for Athlon Sports, so make sure you check out his work on AthlonSports.com. Uh, we're we're going to break down here, spend a few minutes with you guys the morning after uh, the, the, the national championship has been settled. It will be Georgia and TCU coming up in a week and a half, just like we all predicted in the preseason, Stephen. Just like we all predicted. However, Braden, what a Saturday of football as both games were just outstanding. It was the semifinals that we've all been wishing and hoping that we would get for, what is it, nine years now, and we finally got it. So a little surprise, and if you look at the spread, obviously, for the national championship, uh, there is one side that is heavily predicted to win. But obviously, after two great games, that's what I'm, I'm uh, focused on this week. Yeah, it's listen, so um, obviously I think it's the best semifinal day of college football that we've ever gotten, probably better than the very first one, which drew the highest ratings. 28 million people watched the Ohio State-Alabama game, a game I was actually at, and uh, I think it was like 27 million watched the other the other game, the Oregon-Florida State game. Um, those are the, the floor, the Ohio State Alabama game was truly great, but, but the Oregon game wasn't all that special. It was just sort of new. I think you could easily argue this was the best day of college football as far as the semifinal goes. And, and, and what's the, uh, what's the point spread right now? 13 and a half in favor that's actually, of Georgia. That's actually lower than I expected it to be. Uh, some projections last week had it at 16 and a half. So we're going to just kind of free flow here for a few minutes. Um, again, uh, I don't know what time you went to bed, Steven. I know you're kind of a night owl. Uh, my wife and I met on New Year's, so we had a big, huge party. Um, we we celebrated. I am clearly feeling the effects right now at uh, <laughs> at nine a.m. injured <laughs> nine a.m. on Sunday morning. But also, here's the other things that happened at our party last night. Uh, a child went to the ER. He's totally fine. He was he's four years old, but he's totally fine. Possibly worried, con- concerned about a broken hand uh, in the door that got slammed. There were uh, there were ten humans at my house under the age of seven. Um, and, uh, one kid went to the ER. Here's the funny thing. Wasn't the worst injury of the night. The worst injury of the night came for me pulling a (laughs) hamstring because me and a bunch of other 40 year old dads decided after hours of beverages that we should race on the street without stretching a whole lot. And, uh, I'm currently icing the hammy. Uh, I'm ready to pop another bottle. But uh, what a day of college! <laughs> what a day of college football! <laughs> yeah, it it really was. I mean, first of all, I, I'm listing you as questionable for the national yeah, championship. Yeah, You've yeah. got, you know, you got about, uh, you know, oh, nine days to I'm get. Okay, good, good. Um, no, in, in all seriousness, you know, you said something there at the start. You know, TCU in Georgia, just like we all predicted, and I think there's been this kind of call over the last you know four or five years that everyone has fatigue from the same matchups the same teams well something different is there this time it's tcu it's the kind of the underdog that just keeps exceeding expectations you mentioned it just like we all predicted i mean tcu's been an underdog all season they were an underdog in the fiesta bowl went out and and beat michigan so i think in just looking ahead there's a lot of intrigue for me in what we saw on Saturday and how that translates to potentially uh, to the national championship. And then again, I think it's just something different. I think it's something new. So uh, despite your injury, it was a fantastic day of football. And of course, we get one more game this year at the end of the season on January 9th after the bowls finish up. So it should be a hopefully a good one out there in California. 
Well, and we're not going to touch too much on that matchup, but I think me, I don't know about you, I am going to blatantly root for TCU. <laughs> just, <laughs> just because I think it would be, lit- I mean, honestly, I don't know what to compare it to historically. Should TCU win the national championship and beat Georgia, especially as a 13 and a half point underdog? Um, I, I don't like, is that a BYU national title? Is that Colorado winning the national title in the nineties after five downs? Like, I don't, what, what is the thing that would be comparable mo- in modern college football? And I don't think there is anything. T- TCU is an unprecedented story. And, and even after the flea flicker, and I guess we can kind of meander our way into the games here, but Michigan, like I, even TCU, like you, the ha- you, you expect the house money or the luck or whatever to run out at some point because, they did need some things to go their way to jump out to a big lead like that against Michigan. Like the, the to have two pick sixes <laughs> in a playoff game against Michigan against the team that had thrown three interceptions the entire season. Yeah. Like that, that, that is some of their doing and some just, just sometimes you football's a crazy game and you need things to go your way. 179 combined points in the two games. Um, listen, defense was not particularly great across the board there were some big stops when it mattered um especially on the last couple of possessions in the tcu michigan game especially in the last in the fourth quarter for georgia um it's hard to even find a place to start because the starting point for me is just how remarkable the tcu story is and how great the two games were that's really where where i start and i don't think and i don't i don't know about you i saw some folks complaining on Twitter, which of course is what you do on Twitter about some of the ref and some of the calls. And I, I went back and rewatched the Michigan game last night after everybody left while I was icing my hammy and, and, um, after midnight. And then I watched the, the, all the fourth quarter and the second half of the Georgia game again this morning. And I still cannot find any really egregious bad calls. I thought the refs did a pretty good job. I thought it was fair and square on in both games. And we have the two teams that won the games fair and square. I, I don't, I don't see a, I don't have anything to complain about with this. I, I would have one small beef with that, and I think that is the touchdown that Michigan had taken off the board. Oh, in the, long, in the very beginning? Yeah, I think that was a touchdown. First of all, it was ruled a touchdown on the field. He gained possession of the ball when he landed in the end zone. I think that's a touchdown. Obviously, Michigan could have just not turned the ball over on the next play and rendered this whole discussion right. moot, but uh, the targeting at the end of the game, I think, was, you know, I saw it live and then I saw it on replay and it was, it was borderline to me as to whether it was a targeting or not. So which, I think which probably, one? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it's, it's Wait, probably which one, the TCU game or in the Michigan or in the Ohio state game. Sorry. The, uh, the TCU the end of okay. the TCU Michigan game on fourth down that the targeting on, uh, I'm forgetting who, who it was on, but it was, it was definitely borderline as to whether it was or not when you saw it live. And then when you saw it slow, so probably not calling it there was the right call, but I, I did think, the Michigan game, this the touchdown should have been called a touchdown. Do you, but do you it, think that changes the course of the game? Because Michigan went, here's how they started the game. Turnover on downs, pick six, three and out, field goal, fumble on the goal line, which is the one I think you're talking about, right? Yes. Uh, and then punt, punt. So like that's, that's what Michigan's offense did to start the game. Now, we could say that, that that's a little fortunate for TCU, that you're probably not going to start the game like that. Do I think that that particular play that touchdown does that change the course of the game I I don't know I mean I think it maybe it does you still have a chance here here's here's my here's the reason I said I'm not sure about that because they they with 632 to go in the third quarter they throw the they throw the free the flea flicker easy for me to say and and they and it's 21 16 five point game 
You know what TCU did after that? 78-yard drive, touchdown. Pick six, 78-yard drive, touchdown. 79-yard drive, touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> like, the defense for Michigan also didn't make any plays in the, in the final quarter. I think that's the story of the game. I think, yes, Michigan made mistakes. They turned the ball over. Uh, obviously, at the goal line, like I mentioned, they had the two pick sixes. They had the first drive of the game where they totally outfought themselves by running some sort of Michigan special on the goal line. So while that fumble mattered, Michigan had or fumble slash overturn touchdown. It mattered. But Michigan also had a lot of other opportunities to get back in that game. They could have just not thrown two pick sixes. Also, <laughs> like you said, every time that Michigan got back in the game and I thought watching it, I was thinking, OK, Michigan's here. They're going to get a stop. They're going to take control of the game. TCU punch back. And I think yeah. that to me is the, the story of the game is that, yes, we can talk about Michigan's mistakes, but the real story here is TCU answered the bell every time. And it was not just they they played Michigan's game, which is they were willing to win the battle in the trenches. That was the question coming into the game, whether they could meet Michigan physicality. They did that. I mean, they ran for 263. That was with Miller getting hurt. Demarcado stepped up. They also stopped Donovan Edwards outside of that one big run. He was pretty silent too. So <laughs> on the first play of the game, <laughs> right after that play, it was like, well, right, I right. think Michigan's just going to run through TCU's defense. And after yeah. that, uh, they stepped up. So really, that that to me is the story of the game. Yeah, forty-one carries for TCU, two hundred sixty-three yards, six and a half yards a carry, three touchdowns. And here's the deal: at fifty-one forty-five, with three minutes to go in the game, Michigan got the stop. Like it's they they still got the right. stop and got the ball back. Now again, to your point, maybe there's a question about the call at the end of the game, but they they got the stop and they got the ball back. And so it was a, a again, I I don't the the only reason I say like I think there's always questionable fifty-fifty calls in every football game. Like literally, you could probably point to three or four of them in every single game that's ever been played. So I, I what I mean is that I just feel like I watched like I don't think the officials were why there were four interceptions in the TCU Michigan game. I, I don't think the officials were why there was 90 whatever points, 96 points in that game. I, I think, you know, Quintus Johnston's really good. Quentin Johnston's really good. <laughs> yeah, just just catch, just tackle Quentin Johnston on a third down catch and not let right. him go 76 yards for a touchdown. And maybe we're talking about a different game here. <laughs> or Ohio State, just feel free to not fall down when Arian Smith is running <laughs> down the field right. when you have a double digit lead in the fourth quarter. Like it, you just those are mistakes. Like that's not the official's fault. And so. I, my point of bringing that up is to just say, I don't think it's marred by some controversy. I think TCU was deserving. I think they won the game. I think Michigan lost the game. I think JJ McCarthy probably could have said something about it after the game <laughs> <laughs> instead of just running away and hiding. Um, you know, Ohio State had a field goal opportunity to win the game. Missed it. Sometimes you miss the field goal. And that's that's how that's football. Um, so I don't I don't think there's any sort of controversy that sort of overshadows how good the two games were. Um, I, I do think couple and I know we're bouncing around here but CJ Stroud we told you last week on on whatever shows we were doing that the the way that CJ Stroud was going to have to play in this game is he was going to have to take the the easy yards with his legs and he did that's exactly what they did he had over tw I think he had 12 carries on the ground 348 passing uh, I know Harrison didn't play in the fourth quarter because of that call and and took the helmet away but um, I thought it was just a brilliant brilliant day of football I thought Georgia deserved to win. Here's the here's the scary thing for TCU, unfortunately, is that was probably what a B minus game for Georgia, C plus, right? Yeah, I think that's fair. Like, and they still 
beat Ohio State probably, and I, I would argue that was Ohio State's best game of the year. They played their best on offense. I think the scheme for Jim Knowles was excellent. I thought they confused Stetson Bennett for most of the game. I thought Stetson Bennett played a terrible football game until the fourth quarter. And I, like, and even still, Georgia found a way to win. So that that's scary, I think, for the championship game. If For those of us who are rooting for TCU because the story is unprecedented, that's a little concerning because I think that, again, that was Georgia's B-minus game against Ohio State's best possible performance. And <laughs> some of the commentary at my party uh and and from big 10 fans by the way not there's like two two couples at the house that were big 10 people penn state people and indiana people and and all of them were the sec folks and the big 10 folks were all like i can't believe ohio state's gonna back their way into a national championship (laughs) 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 which is totally disrespectful to tcu and then they didn't finish the job of course so i mean we came a handful of plays away from ohio state and michigan meeting again for the second time this year and like i said just the Weak buildup of listening to Ohio State and Michigan fans go back and forth would have been tremendous. But I think on the serious note, CJ Stroud was awesome. I, I know it's yeah, easy to say, but I mean, we, we talked about all, all week that he needed to take the easy stuff, the, the runs that were there to him, and he did. All the stuff that I guess you could criticize Ryan Day for leading up to that game, check mark. He, he answered that. I thought he had a good game plan. I thought they executed it well. I think the thing you can criticize him for is there were a couple times on the last couple drives where they had, especially the last drive where they played for the 50 yard field goal. You know, maybe they could have done something a little different to get closer. Some of that was they didn't have Marvin Harrison out there, but that was, I think if you had, if you're Ohio state, that's exactly what you needed to do. You did it in the third quarter. Their defense did a nice job of slowing down um, Georgia's rushing attack too. They they shut him out. They pitched a shutout in the third quarter. At halftime, I think Georgia was averaging 8.8 yards per carry, and they stepped up in the third quarter. Now, the fourth quarter, uh, Bennett was great. I think he was 10 to 12 for 190 yards or, or somewhere around that range. Um, after not kind of be, after being up and down, he really stepped up in the fourth quarter. So uh, it was just two great games, and, and small yeah, things ended yeah. up deciding both. Yeah, which is what you want. And, and I, I agree with you. I think Ryan Day did even in even in defeat. I think Ryan Day answered a lot of questions about preparation, uh, about scheme. I think they're they're the they didn't run the ball particularly well. Thirty two carries, one hundred nineteen yards, but they kind of picked and choosed when they were going to do it, and they did it pretty well. Again, C.J. Stroud was a big part of that, which we had not seen, which I think was frustrating for Ohio State fans for most of the season. Harrison was great. Um, the other receivers were awesome. The fake punt call was brilliant. It just happened to be that Kirby Smart was also brilliant in getting a timeout a half a second before the snap <laughs> and, and him talking about like the story is that, that they're, they're screaming down from the booth and they recognized it and they had a few fakes run on them this year and they recognized it. So like literally in the moment called the timeout and got the stop again, not a nothing, nothing nefarious there. The, the refs didn't help Georgia. They got the timeout a split second before the play was run. It was the right call and a brilliant decision by Ryan Day and a brilliant counter decision by Kirby Smart. And that's what you want is just two two really good coaches going at it. And I think Ryan Day did answer uh, some questions for sure. Now, I think my, my main man, shout out to my main man, Jeff the Greek. If he could take a break from tweeting about bowl records, he might be able to add this to his Twitter sphere. Uh, the Big Ten, of course, now two and six in college football playoff semifinals going 0 and 2 with an opportunity to go 2-0 and because they, again, like you said, a couple of plays away from having an all-Big Ten championship game, which, by the way, everyone would complain about, but everyone would watch if it was Ohio State-Michigan. The SEC now 10-1 and 
in college football semifinals. So uh, you, you can tweet about the Tax Slayer Bowl and the Music City Bowl all you want to. The only ones that matter are the college football playoff games, SEC 10 and 1 in those games, the Big Ten 2 and 6. Take that, Jeff. I don't, noted, know, I don't even know why no, I'm trash talking him. <laughs> noted SEC Homer Braden Gall is already. Yeah, I'm, listen, and, I am openly rooting for TCU. I have no. I was going to say you're rooting for TCU, and here you openly. are touting the SEC's bowl records. I, I'm just, I'm just giving you facts. I'm just giving yeah. not bowl records, playoff, Ch- records, right? Playoff records, yeah. Games that are actual football games. Um, no, I'm. I will no shame. I'll openly root for TCU. I, I just. And here's the other question, because I don't know how much you, you want to continue to talk about the games or move, just glance ahead real quickly, like allow yourself to glance ahead. Part of the thing that, you know, when we've seen Georgia struggle, which is not a lot lately, last couple of seasons, obviously Bryce Young lit him up in the in the SEC championship game, CJ Stroud on New Year's Eve. I, I you know, <laughs> Max Duggan, Quentin Johnston, like that's a pretty good combination in the open field. Like the, Georgia's going to have their hands full. The question is how much, how much depth and how many layers does TCU have to its offense to attack Georgia's defense where we know Ohio state has the dogs everywhere? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think a couple things come to mind. I think first of all, Kendra Miller is needed by TCU to win that game. Uh, Dean Mercado and Bailey are good running backs, but they need, you know, Miller out there. And he said after the game that he's going to be able to play, we'll see, um, you know, good thing. He's got what eight days or so to get healthy. The other thing is, if you go back and watch that game and you look at the stat sheet after that, I mean, Quentin Johnston was awesome. I mean, we talked about the touchdown uh, catch and run that he had, but he had six catches for 163. The next leading receiver for TCU, uh, Hudson and Barber, both had two catches. Now, those guys are good receivers, but I I think they're going to need more out of that group to, to beat Georgia on January 9th. So I think it's going to be incumbent on some of these other receivers to step up. I I don't think that it's going to be a very um, nice week of practice at Georgia. I think <laughs> Kirby was pretty frustrated after yeah, the game. Yeah. I think it's obvious that their secondary is, you know, it's 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 got some issues for sure. And I think Duggan and Johnston can take advantage of that. Now, I, I actually didn't think that Duggan played a great game against Michigan. He was 14 of 29, 225 and two. Oh, uh, he made two, two interceptions. Yeah. Yeah. He played, he made some plays with his legs, but he did exactly what they needed to do uh, to win. So I, I think big picture, I think Georgia will try and take away Quentin Johnson. I think it's on the other playmakers for TCU yep. to step up and Duggan's going to have to be a little bit better than he did uh, against Michigan. I mean, we we're we're sitting here already doubting, TCU to some degree they just dropped 51 on Michigan forced multiple turnovers a team that gave up 13 points a game and only turned the ball over on offense like again I think seven times the entire season um so I guess we can just keep doubting TCU at our own peril but it it is it seems like a tall task against Georgia Uh, I don't you know to your point about TCU like even in the first half if you look at the like they have the the touchdown drives but they also had interceptions and a bunch of punts and a couple three and outs. And like, again, they, they got the start of that game was fortunate for TCU. Uh, again, in, in my opinion, it, it, I'm not saying lucky, like, Oh, they wouldn't have won the game. I just mean you, you, you have to have things go your way sometimes, right. To pull up. Yes. You have and, to have good luck to win a championship. Yeah. It's not, a, it's not a bad word. It's just, yeah. And, and I think that's what they're going to have to do. Things went their way and that's totally fine. So again, you make your own luck, right. In college football, and the game of football. And I think they, they did an excellent job of that. They capitalized on opportunities. They answered the bell. I think to your, I think that's the main takeaway. If we're going to end sort of on our main takeaways, which is Georgia has championship DNA. 
they played a B minus game and still found a way to beat a very good Ohio State team. And then TCU, like Michigan was ready for this. You can't say that Michigan wasn't ready and prepared for this because they were here last year and they knew what it took and they made mistakes. And then TCU capitalized on those mistakes. You make your own luck. And then every single time TCU needed a big play, they made a big play in the second half. Again, it was 20, it was a 51 45 game. It was 21 to 16 with like five minutes to go in the third quarter. Like they quadrupled their score in, in one quarter. So uh, just awesome, awesome football. And I don't, I don't think it's marred by any controversy. I don't think it's, I don't think somebody's not deserving. I think Georgia and TCU are two deserving teams. I, I, and I hope we get a great game. Yeah, I, I do too. I think the takeaway for me is, I mean, we can talk, like we said, we, we can talk about the, the refs and the officiating and some of the calls in the, in the games. But for me, it was, a glorious Saturday of college football with two outstanding semifinals, a Saturday that we had been waiting for. And even we talked about it on the preview show blowouts and one-sided games had been the trend. I mean, I think three out of the what 16 semifinals were one score games. So the fact that both semifinals were close, competitive, entertaining, went down to the, basically the last play. I, I don't know what else you could ask for if you're a college football fan. So it was really just yeah. a great Saturday with two great games. Looking forward to the uh, the national championship. I know, kind of like as you hinted there, everyone's going to be doubting TCU. That's probably the way they want it. I would expect Georgia to probably play a little sharper, uh, but we'll find out. It's a it's a yep. interesting I, showdown. I suppose the only thing I could have asked for is for no kids to go to the ER and for a bunch of old men to not uh, <laughs> feel like they need to have an ego contest out in the street. At, at 9 p.m. Uh, after drinking all day. I think that would have been smart, and my leg would feel a lot better right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but I'm powering through. I'm powering through. Um, and a happy new year to everybody, man. I Again, it, it, it probably means we get two great semifinals and not a great championship, but I, I don't want to speak that into existence, you know? Um, if you're objective, if you're an objective fan and you're truly objective, you're not a homer for a conference, y- you can't really argue with what we got on Saturday. You can't argue with it. It was spectacular drama. It was four great teams going at it, uh, battling for 60 minutes. It was, it doesn't, I don't think it was the cleanest football I've seen, but I don't care as long as it's good drama and good entertainment. And I don't know what else you could ask for from an entertainment standpoint than a bunch of big plays and like 179 total points. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly it. That's, it was, I think, easily the best Saturday of semifinals. Yep. And probably now, probably fair to say, one and two in this playoff era of most competitive, interesting semifinals. Uh, Ro- Rose, I think, Rose I think Oklahoma Georgia Rose Bowl might be number one. Don't you think? Yeah, that's a tough one. I was I was debating that yesterday while watching Alabama the game. Ohio State. Maybe I'm just prisoner of the moment, but I had both ahead of those. Um, and of course, okay. though the Fiesta Bowl with with Clemson and Ohio State in there. But I, I think I mean, Georgia Ohio State might be number one. But I think the Rose Bowl, Georgia and um, Oklahoma, are going to overtime because it's the only one that's gone to overtime. And I think because again, maybe I'm partial because I was there, but because it was the first year and because it was Alabama Ohio State and because there were like a gazillion NFL players on both those teams. The coaching staffs were extraordinary, and we had just a crazy back and forth game. Uh, I, I I would put Alabama Ohio State at at three, and and then TCU Michigan at four. But I think it's two of the best four games we've had in the semifinals. 
Yeah, for sure. I think something else you said there was was interesting was the the Georgia Ohio State game. Just the amount of NFL talent that was on the field that night is pretty impressive. It, it had the feel of a national championship kind of caliber yep. game for me, yep. just because of all the individual talent. But like I said, we still got one more one more uh, uh, national championship yeah. to go. Yep. So let's just uh, let's not write off TCU. Let's, no, not let's, at all. Let the dust settle a little bit before we get too deep into predictions. I I am one million percent hypnotoed the rest of the week. <laughs> I am hypnotoed from here on out. I got a cousin. Shout out to my boy Sam, of course, who's a TCU grad. He was at the game. He's my my wife's cousin. Uh, recently married TCU grad. He is out. He was out in the Fiesta Bowl. So now let's see if he's got the let's see if he's got the the money for LA. <laughs> let's see. Um, but congratulations to TCU. Uh, awesome story. What a great story. Congratulations to Georgia, of course, as well. Uh, by the way, first time ever that Ohio State has ever played a game in the state of Georgia. I can't believe wow. that. Wow, I did not realize that. <laughs> that is an unbelievable statistic. Only the second meeting ever between Georgia and Ohio State. And if we get a couple more of these over the next few years, that, that should develop into a really salty and awesome rivalry because those are two really good programs, uh, two big brands, and uh, obviously they delivered a, a huge a huge piece of entertainment history in the college football playoff. All right, we'll be back uh, this week for a regular episode. So we'll preview the matchup. We'll preview the championship game. We'll talk all kinds of other stuff that's going on in the college football world. But uh, Happy New Year, everybody. It's for Stephen Lassen. You can follow him on Twitter, at Stephen. Thanks for listening. Wherever you're listening to this, whatever feed you're listening to it on, we do appreciate it. Uh, my name is Braden Gall. Thanks for hanging out. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, this has been the Cover 2 podcast from Athlon Sports and the Fringe Element podcast from 440 Sports. Have a good one, everybody.